coming off another victory. Of course, we all saw this coming, and that is the Mickey Calloway Report. It's served to you by Casamigos Tequila. Try Anejo Tequila straight up. It's aged 14 months in bourbon barrels and is just incredibly creamy and delicious. I've only ripped this guy a couple of times this season. Only a couple? But now... All is good in the world of the New York Mets, and that's the manager of the team, Mickey Calloway. Mickey, Evan, JJ, how are you? I'm doing well, fellas. How are you guys doing? Did you envision this as the miracle? When you said, we need a miracle to turn this thing around, is this exactly what you had in mind, what we've seen from this team over the last few weeks? Yeah, and this is what it had to be, right? I mean, for for us to get uh, to this point, we had to do what we did. And I'm really proud of the guys. You know, they've been unwavering in their enthusiasm and the way they come to play every day. Our confidence is at an all-time high right now for good reason. And uh, it seems to be uh, clicking on all cylinders on the field. So uh, I'm really proud of these guys. They never gave up. They would have been easy to throw in the towel at times during this season. But uh, they've done a great job of sticking it out and grinding it out. Mickey, kept such a positive approach. Even that series in San Francisco, yet so many brutal losses. That 16-inning game, couple walk-offs mixed in. But yet you told members of the media, we are close. Now you look, you're playing wonderful, wonderful baseball. So I'm curious, what did you see in that San Francisco series that kind of led you to believe you as a baseball team were close? Well, you know what? Uh, they, they were playing great baseball, and those games can go either way. When you, when you play an extra inning game, um, you know, it's not always the, the best uh, team that day that wins because anything can happen. Uh, right. And, and some, some things did happen to us, right? We drop a ball and they win a game, but, um, we were playing good baseball at that point, probably just as well as we are now. And, uh, we just didn't come out on the winning side of things because they're extra inning games and those can go anyway. Um, so I felt like we were close. We were playing good baseball and, uh, it kind of has shown up this, uh, last week and a half. I don't think we've gotten a chance to see it yet because the doubleheader created a circumstance. Seth Lugo pitched two innings. Friday night, it's a one-run game. Are you going to decide how to use Edwin Diaz and Seth Lugo based on matchups, based on who's coming up, or are we going to have the specific roles of Lugo's the eighth-inning guy, Diaz is the ninth-inning guy? Where are we with the usage of these two guys in close games? We have to feel the situation out, right? First of all, you know, when I think about our bullpen, we have to get to the ninth inning. Um, you know, I think at this point, we'd all agree that Seth Lugo is our best reliever. No question. Um, so if we have to use him in a high leverage situation to even have a ninth inning, Lugo's going to pitch in that situation. Um, and then we'll figure it out from there. So, um, I think we just have to go based on the situation matchups, like you said, and, uh, you know, I think that's the, the formula for, for wins for us right now. I do have faith in Diaz. He's been throwing the ball better. Um, obviously, we have faith in Lugo, Gaselman. They've been throwing the ball great. Familia's throwing the ball uh, better, and, and Wilson has been off the charts. So he's added a whole other dynamic to the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning that uh, allows us to be um, a little more creative. And uh, I think we just always have to think about that. Be creative late in the game and use our our best personnel when we can. All right. Now, with that said, this is what frustrated me about a decision you made, and you could tell me where I'm wrong here. It's a one-run game. Seth Lugo's your best reliever. You just said it. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's not even a question. In a one-run game, you don't want to use your best reliever. It has to be a tie game. What's that line of, hey, I got to keep this thing close? Because that was the situation on Friday night. 
So how do you make that decision? Will you start to use Lugo in a one-run game? Because you've got confidence. Hey, if I could keep it at one run, this offense can come back and take the lead. You know, you do have confidence that if you keep it at one run, you can, uh, you know, come back and, 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 and win a game. The, the issue is Lugo's usage. Like, Lugo pitches in a, in a losing game, and you don't end up winning, he might not be available the next day. And, uh, you know, I think he would do a great job at holding it to one run, but we need somebody else to step up in that role, hold it to a one-run game so we can win a game. Because if we can't pitch Lugo in every situation, if we started doing that, he'd be pitching every night, and he just can't do that. Well, where are we as far as how often you could use him? I completely understand after two innings the other night, he's not going to pitch the next day. I'm not going to quabble with that but will you start to be more aggressive in using him and using him on back-to-back dare I say three days in a row because now we got a pennant race I mean we got ourselves something legitimate going on so will you be more aggressive now in using Seth Lugo on back-to-back and even more uh, situations will be as aggressive as, as he can handle it and so you know what I mean by that is when we pitch him on any given night we have no idea even if he throws 14 pitches if he's going to be available the next day. So that's a whole nother, nother thing is when he pitches that night, it's not like we can say, okay, let's get him out because he's going to be available tomorrow. We really have to wait and see when he plays catch and, and lean on him for that information. So it is a, is a little tough, but uh, you know, I think the approach we're going to take is let's win tonight, and then if he's not available, somebody else is going to have to step up the next day. The manager of the New York Mets, Mickey Calloway, with John Zestremski and Evan Roberts right here on the fan. And Mickey, you're starting pitchers since the All-Star break. They've been absolute money. We know DeGrom's been money since the month of April, but Syndergaard's back to looking like Syndergaard. Wheeler, his last two starts, has been tremendous. Steven Matz has done a much better job, and now you add Marcus Stroman into that mix. So you guys made a change with your pitching coach and with your bullpen coach. Mid-June, late-June. How much credit do you give Phil Regan for these guys turning around? Well, there's no doubt that uh, Phil and Ricky and Jeremy uh, have done an amazing job. Now, you know, I think that uh, our pitching staff is so talented. They were going to go on a run like this um, no matter what. But the calming presence that uh, Phil Regan brings is, is unbelievable. Just being around this guy, the experience, his ability to connect with people is is really, really good. And uh, he definitely has, has done a great job with his pitching staff. Mickey, you guys go out and add Marcus Stroman. Considering where you were at, and I know you're preaching all this positivity, but how much of a jolt did it give the rest of the clubhouse seeing a guy of that caliber coming in where all of a sudden it's like, holy smokes, we're in this thing. Did the presence of Stroman really give you guys a big-time boost here? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, I think if you look back at teams that add like this, right after you add, you go on a run. Uh, the Braves did it. Right when they added Dallas Keuchel, man, the, the atmosphere there – was off the charts, and it seemed like they started winning a ton of games. Um, we've done the same thing, and it wasn't just about adding Stroman, because there was this little period, okay, you add Stroman, but are we going to get rid of somebody? And a couple days later, at 4.01, when we didn't get rid of Wheeler or Syndergaard, 
then you really started to see the energy and the excitement that, that all these guys had, that we didn't have to tear this thing down. Okay, boys, let's go on a run, and let's see if we can do something special. It's been fun. One thing that I think can help you uh, with this bullpen is having guys go deeper in the games. I mean, it's obvious. If you only need three or four or five outs from your bullpen as opposed to nine or 12, it makes life easier. Um Looking at Zach Wheeler the other night, was there something you saw in the eighth inning where you said, I don't want him to pitch the ninth inning? Was it knowing you had an off day Thursday, getting guys in? Because at the game last night, I thought, you know what? This guy could finish the job. Was that thought going through your mind with Zach last night? No, because his pitch count was 100 uh, last night. You know, he came off the uh, little bit of a break during the All-Star uh, break, and, and at this point, his pitch count isn't 115. It was at 100. He threw 101, so he was done. We did we couldn't even send him back out if we wanted to because that's uh, the pitch count that we were comfortable okay. with to keep him healthy and going. So uh, it's not it's not always, you know, just, okay, let's not let's get him out of there because an off day, sometimes the pitch count comes into, into play. You know, the other day with Jake, Jacob DeGrom, he threw 116 his previous outing. He got us through seven. His pitch count was low. We had a comfortable lead. Let's get him out. Let's let's hand it to somebody else. That's uh, you know how, what we have to do with these pitchers to keep them going. So, now is Zach going? We're about to be in a spot where all gloves are off. Okay, and you got to let your horses run, and they're about to. Oh, see, that's what I love to hear. So you're telling me, because I get it, he's off the injured list. I know from the second start back, he was at, I think it was 88 or 90 pitches, and you took him out after seven innings. I get all that. So are the gloves off of Wheeler? Like his next start against the Braves, and he has some success down in there going back back down to Georgia. Gloves off? He's at 110, you let him go? Yeah, absolutely. He, he's going to, you know, I like these guys to throw 115 pitches. This is what we, we've conditioned them for. And uh, they're our horses, and they're our best pitchers, and they're going to carry us. Mickey, what has gotten into Michael Conforto? I mean, that sweet swing, we were waiting to see it in the first half, and I know he was hitting some home runs, but I've always thought he had, you know, all-star, year-in and year-out type potential, and he's just been in the middle of everything for your team over these last couple of weeks. So what has been the big difference in watching Michael Conforto earlier in the year and watching him here where he's just been red hot. You know, he, he's just not missing his pitches. They're making mistakes. You know, there, there's several reasons why guys can slump, whether it's they're hitting the ball right at somebody hard um, and they're getting out, they're swinging and missing, not identifying pitches, or it's when you know what, the pitchers are just executing pitches against them for, for two-week period, and then that makes it tough. Um, but uh, Michael has definitely snapped out of whatever one of those uh, reasons that were happened. Sometimes all three of those happen, and it prolongs that for a couple months or a month, but uh, he's done a great job of uh, riding the ship and, and, and getting his swing where he needs it to be, where he's identifying everything. He's right on pitches. Today, you pull one down the line, you take one low and away, and you you go to the opposite field. He's covering every pitch, and, and it's fun to watch. This is uh, the Michael Conforto that he can be full time, and I think at some point in his career, you're going to see this. You know, this kid had um, almost less than a year worth of minor league at bats before he got called up to the big leagues, and they called him up for good reason to help him to help them uh, do something special in the playoffs, and he did. But he lost out on some development. 
Right. Um, so he's been, you know, battling back and forth and at the major league level for a couple years. And, and sooner or later, he's going to really, really, really figure this out. And he's going to be a perennial all-star every year like you're talking about. You know what? I think there's something else. And I think I'm going to give you – see, I'm about to give you credit, Mickey. I'm about to give you some love for something. I think putting him in front of Alonzo helps. Great I point. think he's clearly getting more pitches to hit. So take me through that decision because – now, maybe it's a coincidence, you tell me, but it feels like Michael Conforto is thriving because he is getting more pitches to hit with Pete Alonso protecting him. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, I think that uh, that's one of the reasons we did that. Okay, let's put Toe in a, in a spot where they're going to have to throw him more hittable pitches. Um, you know, take away one of those factors that I was talking about that puts a guy in a slump where pitchers are just executing pitch after pitch because they they're not really worried about what's behind them. Um, so we moved him up in front of Pete, and now they have to throw him a strike when they go 2-0, and he can pound it because they know that Pete uh, and his 37 homers is looming on deck. Are we going to see now these guys every day? You talked about letting the horses run with the pitchers. How about the position players now? No They're off days. They're going to play as many games as they can until their legs fall off. I like I that. Tell you that. Now you, you speak, you're speaking my language, Mickey, because that was right. what was frustrating, and I'll be honest with you, what was frustrating was with me. It, it hasn't happened recently. It was with McNeil early in the season where – yeah. It felt like Jeff McNeil was getting a lot of off days. Now, I'm not in the room. Maybe he's dealing with injuries we don't know about, but I know it was frustrating because the guy's a freaking hitting machine, and when he's yeah. out of the lineup, it's it's tough to see as a Met fan. So knowing now we're going to basically see everybody as long as they're healthy, that's definitely a good thing. Absolutely. You know, I think that uh, with McNeil, he had, he had struggled getting through uh, uh, baseball seasons for the last four years. And uh, early in the season, we knew we had to take care of him a little bit because we know that he's going to make an impact when it really counts. But uh, like you said, the gloves are off. We have plenty of off days in this major league season the rest of the way. And uh, these guys are going to play. The manager of the New York Mets, Mickey Cowes, with Evan Roberts and John Jastrzemski right here on the fan. And Mickey, this has got to feel awfully sweet for you. You know what was being written earlier in the year. You know what was being said earlier in the year. There are calls for your head. There are columns in the newspapers. There are a lot of unhappy people. And now you get the last laugh because you're sitting here in August. Your team's playing games that matter. I know it's about the team. I know it's about the New York Mets. But this has got to feel really, really nice for you. Does it not? You know what? I, I'm not trying to be somebody special. I'm trying to do something special with a group of players, and I've, I've felt that way all along. And I'm just proud that the guys can um, continue to, to come to the field every day and uh, accomplish something uh, that can be very good for, for Queens, for New York City, and uh, you know all Mets fans out there. So um, you know, I try not to pay attention to that stuff. Just focus on my job and the players and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Why do you think Ahmed Rosario looks like a different player at shortstop? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. You guys were flirting with the idea of sticking him in center field, and I didn't blame you. I, I asked Mickey about that the last time he was on. I said, is he going to play center no, field? And I got the question because I felt the same way, man. I watch every inning, and I, I, he looked like a subpar defensive shortstop. He doesn't look that way the last few weeks. What the heck happened? Well, you know what? Um, it, I would say hard work, but this kid has always worked hard. So the only thing I can think of is when we started talking about center field, he said, no way. I'm going to go show them that I'm a major league shortstop and an above average one. And he has definitely done that. And we've kind of nixed that idea because of the way he's played. So maybe it was just something as simple as us even discussing doing something different with him that uh, motivated him. You, you ready for another first guess from me? I'm sure you love that. Yeah, love yeah. hearing the criticisms. All right. Wilson Ramos. He's on first base. You don't pinch run for him. 
You pinch run for him when he's on second base. Now, J.D. Yeah. Davis hits that ball down the line. If that's ruled right. fair, I don't know if Wilson Ramos scores. What's the thinking? What am I missing on why when he's on first, no pinch runner, but when he's on second, all right, I'm going for it. Well, you know what? Um, it, there's a lot of different factors when we're sitting there talking about this. You know, do you want to take – once you take Wilson Ramos out of the game, right, and you're winning and you put Thomas Nito back there and he gets hit in the head and has a concussion has to come out of the game, you're going to lose the game because you don't have a catcher. You're going to have Jeff McNeil back there uh, catching. So it's very, very hard, first and foremost – to actually run for a catcher, so you really want to do it unless a base hit is going to score the guy. Um, that's first and foremost. You don't want to put yourself in a bind where you run out of catchers because no matter how big your lead is, you, you're probably going to lose the game uh, if you're if you're in that. Um, second is um, in our experience, ninety eight percent of the time a pinch runner doesn't even matter because especially with no outs. Right, so no out, you get a rally, and I think even that night it it wouldn't have mattered much. But you you understand that for us to score runs, you're probably going to get three or four hits. Somebody's going to hit homer. So a lot of the times, a pinch runner doesn't matter. Now there's situations where you're down, you have no other choice, you have to do it, and we'll, we'll we're willing to do it. But I think in that scenario, if I remember the the whole situation correctly, is we wanted to make sure that. Before we took out our catcher and put our last catcher in and put us at risk for not having a catcher at all, that uh, there was a good probability of scoring. Mickey, this weekend against the Washington Nationals, you are going to have a juiced-up ballpark. New York City is all fired up. You're going to be the talk of the town. I think back to that second game in a doubleheader. You've been managing a team now almost two years. Was that the most electric you felt, City Field? Yeah, it really was. The, the fans were amazing, and I'm sure this weekend is going to surpass that. I can't wait for the Nationals to come in here. we got Stroman, Syndergaard, and DeGrom going. It's going to be a, a battle royale at City Field, and I can't wait to see our fans. No, it is damn exciting. I mean, I think we're all still stunned by what's going on. We're talking to the manager, Mickey Calloway. Is there an update? I never cared about this guy until like the last couple of days ago because of Cano's injury, but is there an update <laughs> on Jed Lowry? Is he doing anything? Does he exist, Mickey? Yeah, he exists. He's uh, doing baseball activities down in Florida. And, uh, you know, it's really just a day-to-day thing for him. And uh, we're not quite sure when he's going to go out on rehab. But he's definitely doing uh, baseball activities at this point. This is going to be a question that will make sense eventually, even though at first you may say, why is this moron asking me this? Did you have a good relationship with this Drupal Cabrera? Was he a good player to manage last year? I love Cabby. You know, I was around him in Cleveland. Um, he, he's uh, a top-notch guy. You know, he can hit. Um, I, I love him. So, what? yeah, I had a great relationship with him. Um, I get, it sounds like it just wasn't in the cards for us well, to be able why? to get him. You know, if, if Brody's allowed to go into your office and throw chairs, you should go into his office and throw a chair and say, how come Cabby isn't on this team right now? Because you know <laughs> he would have been perfect right now. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I always say this and and I really mean this I like to focus on the 25 guys that we have in our clubhouse and uh, let everybody else do their job Um, I think that uh, what we have in our clubhouse is going to get the job done we're always going to be out there looking for ways to improve and I know that Brody's on top of everything like that 
Well, Mickey, obviously a shame with Robinson Cano. He finally starts hitting. He finally starts looking like the player we saw with the Yankees in the Seattle Manors, and he ends up on the injured list. Is there any way you could get this guy back potentially? What is the timetable right now when it comes to Robinson Cano? Yeah, I have no clue. You know, I don't think anybody knows. For for Robbie, it's really just treat him every day and kind of see how he progresses. So we really don't have a timetable. We don't know. Uh, nobody really knows. So we just got to do the best we can to rehab him uh, every single day, and uh, hopefully he does come back. Uh, you've got a lot of options, and we've seen them the last few days. They're not great options, but you have options on filling in for Cano. We've seen Ligaris play center field. He is just a mess offensively, but whatever. We've seen Luis Guillerme, and i got to compliment him. He is something defensively i'll give him credit for that and you've got a denny right now what's kind of that plan at that second base or center field option because mcneil's like a swiss army knife you could stick him anywhere but who do you who do you foresee playing most of the time now with robinson cano out you know what? I think we have to understand who the pitcher is. The other day, we, we kind of figured that uh, Wheeler was going to get a lot of ground balls, so it was perfect time for Guillaume to be in there. Um, I think we also have to monitor Jeff McNeil. Um, right field and left field is a little more stressful than second base is for Max. So if he has a great night and goes three for four like he usually does, you might see him at second base the next day, and that takes some of your options away, and you're going to play Lagaris or Altier in center. But uh, other than that, I think we got to look at the pitcher, who's pitching for us, who's pitching for them, and taking care of McNeil first and foremost, and then making that decision there. Because for me, it's about uh, even all around. We just need to know where do we want that better defense in center or do we want it at second base Mickey final one for me you've been around baseball a long long time this has been a very wacky this has been a very up and down just simply put it's been a very strange season across the board (laughs) is this the weirdest season of baseball you've ever experienced in all your years of being in a dugout playing coaching managing you name it you know what? It's been exciting. That's uh, it's been everything. You you get a little bit of everything. I feel like I've uh, managed for five years this year and got five years worth of experience because we've been through it all. But the one thing I do know is that our group in that clubhouse is a closer knit group right now because of what we've been through. So if we all things being equal. If we were at the same spot at this moment in the season, I would have rather had had this happen to us this year to get to this spot than anything else. Because if you kind of cruise through and then all of a sudden you're at this spot, um, like the like the Phillies, right? The Phillies sure. have been riding a high all year, and now all of a sudden they're feeling bad. You know, we've been – building this relationship through tough times for a few months and all of a sudden now we're at the exact same spot they are and I think we're a better team and a better uh, group of uh, you know people to be around than they are at this point Mm. because of our struggles. That's interesting. Let me ask, this is the last one from me, the whole scoreboard watching phenomenon, okay? I'm getting crap from my partner over here that I'm watching. I'm keeping an eye on the Braves. Listen, like, why the Mickey, hell not? I just want him to focus on the wild card. Listen, That's all. Listen, Start listen, somewhere, listen. you know? Hold on, hold wild on. card first, then the Braves. Mickey, That's all. Mickey, you, you admit, now I, I'm a little, this answer, and I don't even know how real this is, but Puma. You know Mike Puma covers the Mets yep, for the Post. Yep. You talk to him all the time. Good yep. dude, I like him. He tweeted over the weekend that you admitted you scoreboard watched the Yankees. Now, I don't know why the heck you're doing that. So before we get to the Braves, is that true? Are you sitting there scoreboard watching the Yankees? 
No, no. Obviously, I understand uh, what the scores are every night because on every field, those scoreboards are out there. No, Mike Puma uh, asked me that at the end of my interview. And as they were, and I said, no, I really don't. We're focused on our team. And as they were walking away, I said, but I do scoreboard uh, check the Yankees. I was totally (laughs) kidding. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure. I love that they tweeted that out and made it a story. That's fantastic. Maybe I should start doing more of that. Yeah, yeah, you should. I'll tell you, honestly, Mickey, for about 10 seconds I was annoyed and then I thought to myself I don't actually buy it like I don't actually no think way. you're doing that but you do, I could care less what they do no of course, of course and nor should you I mean it doesn't matter but you do glance off at the other teams in your division at least right just to yeah, see yeah, what's going do. on There's, you know it, it's right in front of you when you're when you're managing in a game you know in between innings the score the scores are all sitting there the whole game so you're always um you know on top of who who's winning who's losing well Mickey things are working out I'm happy Met fans are happy you're happy Keep it up. Keep at right? it, brother. Keep at it, Thanks, man. Good guys. for you, Mickey. Yeah, let's uh, let's have some fun these last couple. Let's months. hope so. There you go. Mi- All right, Mickey, take care, guys. Thank you, man. Later, Mickey. Mickey Calloway, the manager of the Red Hot Mets, they completed the sweep against the Miami Marlins a little bit before we came on the air. Stephen Matz delivered a hell of a game. Now they have an off day and they get set for the more difficult part of their schedule, welcoming in the Washington Nationals.